I knew that I had to let myself go through the range of emotions. Um, and it will be everything from crying to feeling like you've done something wrong and you go back over what you could have done differently and all that stuff. And that's what everybody will be going through who is in the same position. And, and it's completely normal. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas Global Ambassador and Entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Hey everyone, welcome back. This week I'm joined by the wonderful Jo Glynn Smith. Jo is an incredible woman and she's had a long, successful career in fashion, beauty, retail and marketing. Throughout her career, she delivered talks and workshops such as Dress to be Heard, Dressing for Confidence and The Art of Selling. And last year, during the pandemic, Jo, like thousands of other people, was made redundant and so is now embracing the challenge of a new chapter. In today's episode, we talk about the ego and status and rejection and fear. I really, really enjoyed this conversation with Jo. I loved hearing her story and her passion and her perspective and approach to change. So let's dive in to this week's episode. Welcome to the show, Jo. I'm so happy to have you and to be talking to you today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I have to say, do you know what? This is the first time somebody's ever interviewed me that's not been for a job. <laughs> really? Yeah, honestly, so it's quite nerve wracking. Hopefully it'll be a bit more enjoyable than a job interview. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite excited. I, I was doing a little bit of my kind of calming breathing before we started because I thought I don't want to sound the kind of high squeaky, oh my God, voice. It would sound too terrifying. So I feel quite calm and obviously we've chatted before. So I'm very excited. So yeah, let's go for it. Okay, let's dive straight in. So, so Joe, you and I met about two years ago and we actually met in Berlin and we were there um, at a work event. And then I think our paths crossed a few more times, maybe I remember in London at the Cosmo Awards. And then we reconnected recently, actually. So earlier uh, at the end of 2020. And I think looking back, I think we can all agree that 2020 has been a big year of change for so many of us. Everything from our work life to our, the way we homeschooling, which is something that I'm currently in right now, yet again, with lockdown 3.0. So as I said, we reconnected last year and I know that you've certainly had a lot of change last year and that COVID and the pandemic has been a change for you specifically with your career. So yeah, I guess that's why I wanted to have you on the show. I think so many people will be maybe in a similar situation and will benefit from hearing your story and your perspective. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been a, a extraordinary time, actually. I, I'm i going to have to say I'm grateful for it. And interesting, I was listening to a podcast yesterday. Um, it was an interview with Riz Ahmed, and he said, challenges are the gifts. And I have to, and it's a brilliant quote, and I don't know if it's originally from him, but it's a, I love it because it is a really tough time. I mean, 
I think now that we're in this third round of lockdown, I can feel the fatigue and the lethargy coming in from most people. But certainly at the beginning, it was all unknown. And, you know, for me, it was like a massive turning point in my life. I mean, I've been in a, you know, a really um, a job that I really enjoyed. It was it was really busy, as everybody likes to coin the phrase, um, very intense, very fast paced. I was in retail um, and I've been doing that for about four years. And then, you know, out of the blue for me, really, I, I got made redundant. And I guess like so many people, when you're made redundant, you go through a whole range of emotions. Um, it's not uncommon to feel anger and shock and uh, fear and all those things. And I certainly felt all that, but then compounded by this sudden news of a lockdown because you know I have been made redundant before I mean I'm you know my late 40s and you know I think in my 20s I'd experienced it so I kind of knew the range of emotions I knew what to expect I knew the process which is you know it's hard it's emotional and I think if you're going through that you know 20s or 30s you know is it's it's a really stressful experience um and for whatever reason you just feel like it's your fault in a way um so it's a really difficult one and you and you do a lot of reflection and uh but then suddenly with this news that you know you can't go out to your house so i'd kind of you know i'd, I'd gone through the process you know i've been dealing with it i thought quite well okay right okay here i am i've been here before i know what to do i can go out and connect with people i've got loads of contacts you know i've been working long enough now um but the world said no. <laughs> the world said, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to stay at home and the kids are going to come back from school and you're not going to be able to leave your house. And everybody went into a state of panic. Uh, all the businesses were having to scrabble around to try and work out what to do. And that was a very difficult time actually to connect on a level for work. And so I kind of sat there and thought, okay, I was fortunate I had a bit of cash. I could, you know, I knew I had some time. What do I do? And actually it was a friend of mine who's a her life coach. Um, and, and he said to me, you know, Joe, you should do nothing. You should sit there and you should do nothing. And I've never, Adrian, I've never done nothing. I mean, I have had a job since the moment I was allowed, you know, legally to work and I love working and I love filling my weeks and I love, you know, all that stuff. And all of a sudden I'd been given this advice and, you know, and I had to listen to him because he's an expert in this kind of stuff. Do nothing, sit and just be and let it flow over you. And so against my personality, <laughs> I kind of lent into that and I thought, OK, I'll let go. I'll just sit and I'll let go. And we were lucky, weren't we? Because May was amazing weather. Um, I'm really lucky to have a garden. And, and I just sat and did nothing. I listened to podcasts. I did my daily exercise, you know, you know we've discussed, I, I love exercise. So I was able to do a lot more, which is brilliant. And I really enjoyed that. But I didn't think about what I was going to do next. And I didn't think about what happens when I run out of money or how am I going to pay for the bills? Or I just chose to get my head out of that fearful place, which I can tell you wasn't easy because of course I had like a number of like crying breakdowns. Oh my God, this is awful. <laughs> Um, but when I could manage it and I could really try and sort of elevate myself into a place where I could detach from that fear. Um, and I spent about four months doing that in all honesty. Well, fear is something that I yeah, definitely want to discuss and dive in deeper. But before we do, you know, you mentioned when you first was made, made redundant and you said, you know, I've experienced that before, maybe in your twenties and thirties. And mm. I'm reading a book at the moment called Ego is the Enemy. And it's all mm. talking about, you know, us talking about what we do and, and being in that 
being who we are and kind of our actions. And I think sometimes when it comes to career, when it comes to work and, you know, you're incredibly modest, Joe, but you've had a really successful career as well. Just, you know, to add, I think when you, when it does become a part of your identity, you know, who we are, mm. what we do, maybe we, we, we sometimes interlink and misplace the two of, well, this is what I do. So therefore this is who I am. So did you feel a sense of that? And also maybe a knocking confidence or kind of, yeah, that ego feeling of going, actually, if I'm not doing that, what does that say about me? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yes. There is, I don't think there's anybody who couldn't say that that wasn't how they felt. I mean, being made redundant feels like rejection. It's like, it's like your boyfriend dumping you. You know, you put loads of energy into it. You feel as though you've done a really good job and you've worked really hard. It came out of the blue a bit. So I, I wasn't aware that I'd consistently done anything wrong. So it was really part of a restructure. I don't really have any, I don't have any issue with it. Businesses need to evolve. And that's one of the things I talked about actually when I eventually came, we'll talk about that later, but when I eventually came onto social media, I think what you need to understand is that for businesses to survive, they have to evolve. And, you know, at whatever time they'll decide, who the what the profile is a person they need to push the business forward to survive whatever is coming up and that's how it kind of happens and you know restructures are just a part of our life now you know I went through two in the company myself and I was running them you know I was making people redundant I was having to sit and tell somebody that they've lost their job and it's really really difficult and it's not personal and it is one of those things. And I knew all that, but it didn't stop me feeling rejected and hurt. Um, and you want to put blame somewhere. And, and I think, you know, actually you can't, you know, it's some people say, oh, we'll just sit down. It's, you know, you're, you're in charge, your destiny. Well, you are to a certain extent and, and you're not in some instances. I think it's what you choose to do with that, that moment. And, and I think it's okay to have, you know, a period of time, however long it takes you and, you know, it can take you in, in, in a pandemic where you haven't got other distractions so you can go out and meet people and sort of, you know, over a glass of wine, go, oh, my God, it's so awful. And they go, oh, I know you're so amazing. How could how could it happen? You know, when it was in a, we were in a kind of entirely different situation, um, I managed to process it, I think, fairly quickly. But, you know, at my level and at my stage of life, when, you know, you've got a lot of dependence by my age and you've got a lot of responsibilities, um, it certainly feels terrifying. And so. I, I knew that I had to let myself go through the range of emotions um, and it will be everything from crying to feeling like you've done something wrong and you go back over what you could have done differently and all that stuff. And that's what everybody will be going through who is in the same position and and it's completely normal. And I think there is the ego part attached to it. Is that okay? Because we because we all run a program of significance these days. You know, it's all, I mean, I came from prior to this job I was in publishing for 12 years in a, in a job that I absolutely loved. And the hierarchical behavior in publishing is unbelievable. You know, you are literally, you're, you're, the way you're treated is directly correlated to the title that you work on. And, uh, and, and it's wrong. Hmm. And I think this is what we need to all shift now because at the end of the day, you know, we're all humans and we're people, but it's the way it is. And so I think we're, you know, in so much, so much of work these days, you know, you're associated, you know, people go, Oh, hi, you know, meet your drinks party. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I work for whatever you could say. I work for Apple. And they go, oh, wow, that's great. Or I work for the local council. Oh, okay. Hmm. You know, that, I mean, it's that like, status it, it, symbol. It's yeah, that status. For sure. And, you know, and, and so, yes, there is that that is you suddenly sitting there. Oh, my God, what am I going to say to people? Oh, my God, what am I going to do next? If I go to an interview, what will I say happened? And I think I got to the point where because of everything else that was going on in the world, and if I want to, to go out there and 
be strong enough and authentic enough to be honest about, I just got made redundant. I didn't kill anyone. I didn't steal anything. I, I just lost my job. Like millions of other people have lost mm. their jobs in the past and will be losing them now. And if I can go out there and say, this is how it feels. This is what I've done to cope with it. This is how I intend to move forward. And this mm. is what I want to share with you so that hopefully if you're in your twenties, you know, I'm in my late forties, I've been through quite a lot of life by now. If you're in your twenties or your thirties, even, you know, it's normal what you're feeling mm. and it's going to be fine. Yeah, it which I think a I mean, lot of people need. It doesn't feel like it at the moment because the world is shut down. But, but you know, it it will blow over and it will be fine. Mm, you know, yeah. and and that was the really, you know, in August I started broadcasting on social, which was, oh god, I just had to get over. I was, you know, I was very nervous about because I was still running a program of significance. You know, how am I going to go out there and talk about what I want to talk about without being honest about why I'm talking about it? And who wants to admit they've lost their job? No mm. one. But well, that word in, fear, sorry, that yeah. word fear that you mentioned, you know, before and coming back to that, the fear around what am I going to say to people? The fear around what am I going to do next? The fear around yeah. how am I going to pay my bills? The fear around <laughs> doing something new, broadcasting onto social media. I think the interesting thing about fear is I think it can serve a purpose and depending on how we channel that fear, it can mm. either accelerate us. And for example, I think you mentioned already, people may have felt this feeling of panic of like, oh my goodness, I've lost my job, global pandemic, I need to pay bills, I need to do something, get up, get moving, be active, be proactive, reach out, Mm. do all the things because it's that feeling of panic and fear Mm. can accelerate that. But I think, you know, you said you did the opposite and and you were told sit in it, be, you know, resist Mm. the urge, I guess, to panic. But maybe for some people fear can paralyze them they feel overwhelmed they can't do anything they can't move forward Mm. at all for others i think you know the fight or flight i think the fear thing is just for a lot of people right now this this the fear is something i'm hearing a lot you know i'm afraid Mm. about this what if that what if i can't do this you know personally on a personal level i feel like if i was to challenge myself to think right now about fear it's probably about you know my son being at home and homeschooling and him missing so much school and feeling Mm. like is he going to be able to keep up? Am I am I doing enough work with him? Is he yeah going to going to get to the end of or start starting secondary school and and be where he needs to be? And I think everyone right now has a different yeah I guess fear. But mm. with that in mind, how do you think you've I guess approached fear and maybe now as if, I know we've maybe there's been different stages, but to, to from where you were to where mm. you are now. Yeah, I mean that's a yeah I think look it's all relative I mean I I agree with you about children I worry about mine I worry about the amount of hours they're spending on their tech and you know you know you and I are very active people we want to get out and about I've always encouraged them to be out and about and now it's dark it's not as easy as it was in the summer when it was light and it was you know light till nine o'clock at night and so we could do more activity it feels harder I think um Look, you have to there has you have to rationalize your position. So I think I, you know, after the kind of initial emotions and you know, shock and and all that anger and and sadness makes you very tired. So that you've got to work out, okay, I need to kind of lean into my emotions and understand what my body's doing first and foremost. If you're trying to fight it straight away, I think it can get really confusing. And that is where you might make the wrong decisions. But we all have a different timeline. I knew that I, I had savings and I got you know a bit of money. So I knew I had an, a number of months or whatever it was gonna be uh, it, with which to, to do 
to, to be able to kind of manage my time. And so I, I knew that was the case. Some people might have two weeks wages and then what do you do? You are in fight or flight. You are going to have to go and find something straight away because you know these bills keep rolling in. So I knew I had that and I, and I kind of worked it out and I thought, well, I've always, <laughs> it sounds so bad to say this, but I've always wanted to, to have, you know, when people get that, what's it called when you get, um, oh God, you know, when you have a, your company, uh, you're moving to a new company, but it's a competitor. So you get a period of time out and I've completely gone out of my head. Yes. I think I know what you mean. It's like not sabbatical, but people get, they get yeah, given. Exactly. I'll think of the word probably about okay. two hours after we finish recording <laughs> this. Anyway, that, so I've always wanted to have that moment in my life because I never took a year out. I always worked. Um, and I always needed to earn money. So I, I wanted to have the opportunity to have, oh my God, there's people who get six months and it's so exciting and it's paid and it's, you know, imagine what you could do. Now this was different because I couldn't go anywhere. Um, so that made it more difficult, but I thought, okay, I've got this this moment, however strange a moment it is. I'm, I'm sort of late forties. This is the moment I need to work out. And, and I've been given, I've been gifted this time to work out what it is that I want to do potentially the next 30 or 40 years of work. I mean, I don't plan on retiring. I, I, I can't imagine ever not working. So so what do I want to do with that time? And it, it could be that it is what I was doing already, or it could be that it's something else. So I really wanted to sit and understand. And I had, look, I didn't do it entirely by myself. I had the help of a life coach who was a friend of mine, a really old friend of mine who was absolutely incredible. But with the guidance of him, we were able to sit down. I was able to work out what really makes me happy what do I want to do for the world? What were the things that I really excelled at before? And if I'm being really honest, what was I not that interested in? Because we can all do jobs and some of us can do brilliantly at a job that we don't really like. <laughs> but I didn't want to run that program anymore. And so I thought this is the time to do that. And it's not gonna be easy because I haven't got the same opportunities, but I can still, you know, I can still read more. I can listen to a ton of, classes I signed up for masterclass at the beginning because I just really wanted to listen to some of these amazing kind of seasoned experts and I and I started consuming as much information as I possibly could and then I could work out what it is that I'm leaning towards and what it is that's making me just want to know more about you know what what do I what, what do I find most interesting and when I analyzed what I was doing before I realized that all my, although my job is in marketing and I'm, and I'm really good at marketing what I really excelled at was working with the people in my team. And what I really loved about my job was the connection I had with the people in my team. And, and when I could sit with somebody and watch them develop and excel at something that they were really scared of before, that brought me a joy that is, it, I mean, it's, it's not, an, it equates to sort of the joy you get from your children. And that sounds wrong to say that, but in all honesty, you know, I, I, I mentored somebody who was so fearful of public speaking that she would physically throw up if she had to go on stage. And just before I left, she was able to stand in front of 400 people and do a presentation and be funny and be engaging and not throw up. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't love it, but she did it. And it was amazing. And that gave me, you know, that fills my heart with so much pleasure. So I kind of came to the conclusion that, that what I want to do is help people. Now, how am I going to help people when I'm stuck at home and I can't do that? I'm not going to rush back into a job at my level. It's difficult to get my kind of jobs quickly. Um, so how am I going to do that? And, and, and what my coach said was, why don't you broadcast it on social media? 
your kind of, you know, what you found, what you've learned from this experience, how you're feeling. I thought, oh my God, you must be absolutely mental. Why did you and... have that response? What was your, why did you have that response when it comes to because... social media? What were you, what were you doing on social media before? Well, before it was just nice pictures of, you know, it was, it was the kind of cliche of social media. If I, if I was in a nice location and the picture, you know, was a really nice shot and, you know, here's a lovely view of the Surrey Hills or here's a nice view of the beach seaside or, you know, we'd done an event at work that I was really proud of. I could put a picture up. So it was just sort of nice moments. It's, you know, what you would probably print and put in a photo album. But what about um, consuming? What were you consuming on social media oh, in terms in, of? Oh, that's a good question. I think a whole range of things. What I found myself is not as I think consuming things that I was going to learn more than things that were inspiring me. Like I wasn't so interested in the kind of, you know, Adrian, you have to remember when I started in publishing, there was no social media and there was barely any internet. I mean, we used to, we used to write our copy on a computer and then print it off and then file it printed. So, <laughs> so I wasn't brought up with social media in the same way that you guys are or my children are. Um, and so my influence was magazines. In fact, getting a job at a magazine was like the pinnacle of my career at the time. I was so excited about it because I felt like I was in the inner circle and you certainly were in the inner circle. It was like the heartbeat of, of fashion and style and everything. And, and I absolutely loved it. Um, but social media felt, you know, when I look at everybody, all you entrepreneurs on social media, I'm constantly blown away at the confidence, the um, the way that people deliver very authentic content. And maybe it's the people that I like to follow because I know obviously you can get uh, the, the antithesis of that as well. But I'm always amazed by that. I'm so impressed by it. I think it's such an incredible thing. If you're, you know, people teaching Pilates, people teaching beauty, people showing you how to organize your wardrobe or you know i'm really into healthy eating so i, I follow a lot of nutritionists and interiors because i love interiors and things where i'm going to learn something and that's what really engages me it's interesting though even hearing you say that because i think some conversations it's quite a divisive thing with maybe it's a certain you know you talked about being in media and in magazines when there wasn't digital and then i feel mm. like digital came in and you know the innovation of tech has has it disrupted every industry but mm. i feel like within publishing and let me know your thoughts on this mm. it was quite still is maybe quite divisive. I think when the whole fashion blogger scene started and, you know, the, the war between, you know, maybe editors and bloggers saying, well, bloggers shouldn't be in the front row mm. of Fashion Week, right through to now, maybe whether it's articles and, and writers, whether it's authors, people saying, you know, actually creating your own platform. There's some people that champion that and hero it and say, wow, isn't that brilliant? Mm. But there's also the flip side of the coin, I think, where there's those almost old school, you know, this is how we've done it. And this is how this is still kind of looks down a little bit on the kind of yes yeah, social media this and that and poo-poos it and says actually you know with these big institutions and profiled titles that feels like a little bit of do you know what I mean like a snobbery mm. or a kind of maybe they just so, feel like we're taking the, the younger more digital audiences are taking their spot maybe it feels a bit competitive it's evolution I mean you know I have to say we go back to this conversation on ego let's go back to that I mean when I remember going to a Burberry show when I was on the magazine and you know as I, you know, explained to you how hierarchical the industry was, and and maybe it's less so now. And honestly, I haven't been in it for four years, so I can't really speak about how it is now. But certainly, I remember going to the show, and there were some influences there. You know, these influences had uh, bigger communities than most of the magazines. I mean, actually, some of them have bigger, larger communities than all the magazines put together. Um, and they've learned how to use the platform, and they've learned how to engage people, and people follow them, and. And, they, and there was this enormous kind of tension between 
the influencers and the journalists. And what you have to remember is that back in the day, if you were a fashion editor, if you were a fashion editor, director or editor of a magazine, you were like God in the fashion industry. You know, their egos were out of control in many respects. Now I know many of them and, and actually to be honest with you, everybody, nowadays they're all great people. They're embraced, they're trying to embrace social media, but I think they were late to the game. Mm. And I think that what people didn't see coming was the tidal wave of digitalization that meant that normal people, that people could more, you know, associate with more than a beautiful model or an amazing image, which is a you know beautiful thing that I've grew up with magazine pictures all over my wall. I, you know, the era of supermodels, that was my, that was my teenager, teenage years. And I loved it all. I thought it was amazing. The photography is incredible. The artwork, you know, the art of fashion is amazing, but this is a new expression of that. And I think mm. if you're, you know, a fashion director of a magazine, you're being told to move seats because some 25 year old who you don't know has come in, but they've got 20 million followers in China, which means that they have so much clout for that brand because their selling capabilities are enormous. That must have felt really hard, mm. you know. So I can see why there was a tension at the beginning between, you know, what was the norm at the time, which was these are the important people, these are the rows they sat on in the fashion show. I mean, I was never as important enough to sit in one or two. I think I was. I think the best I got was probably row three, but. Um, <laughs> But, it's but it was when you like say that. No. Honestly, it was like that. So when yeah. you became editor and you're sitting in the front row, that's like being prime minister, you wow. know, of politics. <laughs> so it really was that hierarchical. Yeah. And I think and what the influencers power, did. The and power the, that mean, comes with that. Don't you think when you said about normal, we're going to come back to that. I was like, oh, normal, because <laughs> wow, this is a new era and a new normal. But I think the power that comes with that. And actually, I think some people probably, you know, they, they know the power and they embrace the power that they have, that their words have or that their posts have. Or, mm -hmm. you know, when people, as you describe editors being like gods, I think the middle man has been almost taken away with, as you mm -hmm. say, innovation, evolution across loads of different industries. Even us recording this podcast, putting mm -hmm. this out to however many people will hear it there's mm. no longer you know i've been doing radio interviews this week actually to talk about the power hour and the book there's a producer and there's a channel or a station and there's all these like almost in between parts when actually if you imagine a joe rogan podcast which i'm sure people know millions of people listen to he can go on and have a conversation with whoever he wants and broadcast it to millions instantly he can press upload and upload the conversation an hour later mm. and i think in so many industries now the middle has been taken away mm. and the opportunity for people to create as you said an audience or to capitalize on uh, to use their voice to share their knowledge to create a product or a service they can go straight to whether it's customers consumers audience whatever you want to call it i think so many industries have it's happened so quickly that for mm. me i kind of you know i look around and i'm like yeah this is it this is the new era this is the new normal but as you say for some people it must have just been i guess like the rug being pulled from underneath them i think so and you know i remember having a conversation 10 years ago with the editor and saying okay all these influences around what are we going to do about it and it, she just didn't want to have that she didn't want to have the dialogue about it. And I remember thinking, God, we've got three girls on the team. They're not a senior, but they're great. They're great influencers. They look great. They love fashion. They wear fashion and they're obsessed. We could have made them into influencers for the magazine and that could have created the profile. But I think the issue was that they, they didn't, you know, they didn't want them to have the profile because that's not how the hierarchy works. <laughs> so of course what happens, they all branch off and do it themselves anyway. 
And I and I think this this new way of broadcasting to me it's just so exciting. I mean, when I was young, if you wanted to to try to promote something new, it was the, the traditional ways. You start at the bottom, you make tea, you work in a company, and then you might work your way up, and then you might get a break. But now, you know, the thought that my daughter could have the opportunity if she really wanted to do, I don't know, whatever, let's say she was really interested in veganism or something, but she wanted, I don't know, but she wanted to do something that she could actually promote what she's doing for free, pretty mm. much. Mm. I mean, you can do it with relatively nothing if you think about absolutely all you need I is actually, an I actually watched the Sam Mendes documentary I know that sounds weird but I did watch it because I'm fascinated because of course he started off by just playing in his bedroom on YouTube but he's a phenomenally talented person and so for people to be able to discover talent like that I think in this day and age I think that is incredible and it has blown the norms at you know everything has been blown apart the music industry is in flux about it fashion industry is in flux about it everybody is trying to work out how to be part of it um and it's difficult for some of these older companies because they've they've they were established some of them 200 years ago and and this this new way of working this new way of consuming information and discovering and inspiring is so new Mm -hmm. and i think you know even the way i work around my computer or work around my phone i can just watch my children do it It is so different you know i wasn't brought up with that i had a nokia (laughs) I had a Nokia, one of the original Nokia phones that literally you could make a phone call and you might be able to send a text or play Snake. Um, and that was snake. it. Snake. Oh my gosh, Snake was great. Joe, I played Snake. I used to play Snake on my phone underneath the table in the classroom at school. Now that is, I hope none, I hope none of my teachers ever listen to this podcast. And uh, yeah, oh I want so many things I want to dive into. And one, we're going to come back to social media and how you have mm. dived in. Uh, but I think just the last thing on the, the evolution of industry and disruption and yeah. change is that, you know, for me, I've, as you know, I work in the fitness and the wellness space. And that has been so you know in the last 10 years i think it's accelerated and in, in almost infiltrated as well into every other industry so mm. fit, uh, fitness and fashion fitness in wellness mm. fitness in travel all of these different things and now i think we're really an exciting slash interesting point with the digital at home and obviously you know obviously i work mm. for fit so i see from the inside out from a tech perspective but i think that is the next maybe industry disruption that will never go back. So if you think about, for example, when we, you know, now that we have mobile phones, we're not going back to putting landlines in our homes. Or if you think about Uber and how we use Uber, we're not going back to phoning a cab and waiting half an hour in the cold, in the rain. That's not happening. So I'm really interested to see, you know, my predictions about the fitness at home interactive, whether it's fit, whether it's, you know, people getting their own uh, equipment at home, like treadmills mm-hmm. and, and bikes, because I really don't believe that this idea of going back to paying an expensive gym membership and having to be at the class at this time, or mm-hmm. I really think that the at-home fitness thing, maybe at the start of last year, people thought, oh, I'll just do this for a little while whilst I have to, whilst the gym's closed or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I think this idea of once things change, sometimes they are forever changed and we don't go back. Our behaviors change, we innovate. And as, as you say, with the evolution and innovation, I think you can embrace it and be one, you can be an early adopter, you can or you can kind of resist, resist, resist. But if it changes and you don't get on board, ultimately mm. what happens? You get left behind. So mm. let's go back to your approach. And I know that you've embraced social media. I've seen, we did an Instagram live together. I've seen yes. that you do those and they are absolutely brilliant. So yeah, how did you make that 
transition and, and get the courage, I suppose, to dive in. Yeah, that was really, it, it took a while, actually. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I've been on Instagram, like I said, posting kind of, you know, the, the, the pictures that we all do, you know, happy family days and lovely sunsets and, you know, nice, whatever. I don't know, in my fashion days, it would have been lovely products and things. But I hadn't really used it to, to as a kind of mouthpiece to anything that I really wanted to say or, or, or who I really was. And, and that, you know, God, and I, you know, I, of course I follow people and I think, God, that's amazing. And gosh, the courage and there's the fear of tro trolling and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think it was just that I kind of came to the conclusion that the thing I really, I missed a couple of things. I, I missed helping people. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not particularly sort of helping in the sense that I'd go and volunteer and, and do that. Although, you know, I'm sort of feeling more and more that I, you know, I should be doing that. But it was more about, you know, giving people advice. And I was getting a lot of people calling me up all the time. So once people knew that I was in the position that I was in and I was at home and I suddenly had this sort of almost tsunami of kind of friends, colleagues contacting me and saying, this has happened to me. You know, I don't know how you're dealing with it. What's, you know, da, da, da. So I found myself giving advice offline, so to speak. Um, and I was really happy to do that. Um, and in the conversations with the coach, and I was saying, you know, I really want to do more around you know, giving people advice. And what I used to do was I used to um, do a talk back in my magazine days, which was called Dressing for Confidence. And it was, I've always been interested in in building women's confidence. And, and when I was you know, in the fashion industry, I wanted to do it through clothing. Now, not through fashion, because that makes it feel more frightening, but through clothes. So the fact that you could, you know, I, I know that I can make somebody feel differently if I help them put on something that makes them feel confident themselves and comfortable. And their 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 posture, their attitude, and everything will make them feel differently. And I used to do a talk about this topic, and I and I kind of would highlight a few celebrities who have changed their fortunes purely by the way they presented themselves. Um, and so that was always something that I was really interested in. And obviously, as as times evolved, I've had a different type of job, and I found myself mentoring a lot of young people. I had thirty five people under thirty who worked in my team. I was literally like their mum. <laughs> Um, which was brilliant for me because I learned so much from them. And I I'm like a sponge and I would just like, absorb these amazing, you know, entrepreneurial minds and this sort of, and the young challenges and, and all that kind of stuff that so really helped me get into their kind of mindset. Um, but I wanted to communicate the help that I'd had because I'd had a lot of help through my four or five months of, of, of being at home and, and trying to deal with this situation. And, you know, a lot of advice from experts and from friends. I thought this is really useful stuff. And some of it didn't work for me and some of it worked for me really well. So so should I broadcast it? So he just said that one day and said, well, what's stopping you? Oh, God, I haven't got the right lighting. Oh, God, I'm too old. Oh, God, my audience probably won't be interested. And what happens if everybody stops following me? And all the, you know, this is ego talking again. Mm. <laughs> all the things that I think most people would sit and think, you know, Christ, you know, I'm putting myself out there and then everybody's going to criticize me. And he's like, but do you really care what people think? And I was like, not really. But of course, you know, you do wonder. And he said, well, you've got to get over yourself you got to get over yourself because you're the only person stopping you doing this. Mm. Oh, well, I've only got, you know, 1900 followers and that's nothing. And people have got millions. He said, but you just told me that you want to help people. So if I say to you, you're going to help three people by what you do, would that make you happy? And I was like, yeah, that'd be brilliant. Right. Well, you've got 1900 people following you. 
Mm, and this I love that get over yourself and just kind of the idea that you know you said well do you really care what people think and I actually someone asked me this this week in an interview they were asking me with the book coming out you know how do you you know do you read the reviews how do you feel do you do you care what people think and I wish I wanted to say nope I don't care I love it I'm proud of it but I do care you know I think we're human beings I think that most people everything you just said I think most people feel like that stops them from sharing things, whether it's online, mm. whether it's creating a business, whether it's starting to write their ideas down for a book. Everyone has exactly what you said. Well, I don't have the right this, or it's not good enough yet, or I don't have a big enough status or platform, or who am I to tell? These people are going to think that. These people are going to think this. And actually, I had a conversation with my sister the other day, and she kind of, in a in a similar kind of way, when he said to you, or oh, get over yourself, we were talking about something, and she said, who are you talking about when you say that? You know, this idea of like (laughs) people this or people that, who are people, who are you talking about? Because often it's actually, as you described, it's the voice inside your own head. It's yourself who is saying self-sabotaging you or Mm -hmm. doubting you or kind of poking at the holes and going, well, Adrienne, you don't have this or that or, and we all have it no matter whether you have five followers, 5,000, 50,000, if you have, you know, a small podcast, a big podcast, whatever Mm. it is, you know, I'm a new author, new books. Then you're looking at people who've got 10 books and they've bestsellers (laughs) and it's always there. And you've got to think, who is, who are you talking about when you think people are going to judge me or unfollow me or roll their eyes? Because I almost think there's two camps as well. The people that roll their eyes and say, oh, look at her, look at Joe doing that. Mm. They're either envious of what you're doing or maybe mm-hmm. they just don't like it and we're all different. We all like different mm-hmm. things. Or maybe they have an element of, maybe they don't have the courage or the confidence to do it. So they 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 think you have an ego because you, you do. Or mm-hmm. the flip side is probably the majority of people, especially if they've chosen to follow you on social media, that actually champion you, support mm-hmm. you. They have a big smile on their face when they see what you're doing and they go, wow, good for Joe. Look at her. This is brilliant. <laughs> like That's the reality. There's going to always be two. There's probably somewhere in the middle as well of people who actually, they don't care. They're so busy. We've got our own lives and often mm-hmm. we are the center of our own lives. So actually they see what you're doing and they scroll past and they go, oh yeah, Joe does that. They, they don't even make a, they don't make a judgment because they don't care. And yeah, sometimes which, I find that most quite- people, isn't it actually? I mean, people like, you know, the thing, you know, when I think back, so did my first broadcast in August, I spent probably two hours trying to work out the camera angle. And I look back at it now and it was an awful camera angle. I was so close <laughs> to the camera. I might as well have sat in the camera because I was so close. I was so nervous, Adrian. You can actually hear my voice shaking. I was sweating because I was trying to do it up, you know, somewhere quiet and it was boiling hot day. And I, you know, I'm at the age where you do get a bit hot. <laughs> and the whole thing was totally nerve wracking. I put it out. I thought people are either going to think two things. They're either going to say, good for you, and they might whisper behind their backs, she's lost it. (laughs) Or or they might just ignore it, as you say, or they might just say, Jesus Christ, and unfollow. So, and, you know, and I put it up. I shook the whole time. I was absolutely terrified because I was exposing myself and I was being really honest. Um, And I had some amazing comments of support. Now, I hope, hope they were genuine comments of support but I had a lot and I spent the whole day crying Mm. it was you know I just thought I kind of it's almost like I'd exercised some kind of demon you know I want to help people I want to talk about what I've been through I want to hopefully find a way to communicate in a clear enough way so that people will say okay three things from that conversation really helped me today Mm. or god that book that you recommended it's been brilliant for me or that podcast or the you know whatever it is 
Hmm. that it would be a helpful thing and that's all I was trying to do but you know it doesn't stop the fact that it is terrifying and you know I was you know I, I could you know what I, I like you when I first saw you get on stage at in Berlin I think there must have been maybe six or eight hundred people there I can't remember how many were it was an enormous audience and I, and I recognized you and I thought oh that's interesting I wonder why she's doing that and you owned the room you're brilliant at it and I and I thought my God, that is that takes enormous amount of courage to stand up in a company, pretty much what, 95% men, let's be honest. I was just about to say, there was like, there was literally, <laughs> I felt like there was 800 men and maybe five <laughs> women in the room, yes. And you did an unbelievable job. I mean, honestly, I was absolutely blown away by that. Now I'm somebody who can stand up. I've done, I've done talks for um, companies when there've been similar numbers and it's been terrifying, but once I'm up there, I'm in the flow, I can do it, I really enjoy it. But for this, for me, this format was a very, you know, very scary, a scary format, a terrifying way to start. And you know what? I'm not there yet. It's going to take me, you know, months. We've got to hone our craft. You've got to get better at it, more confident. And I need to understand more of what's needed, respond to the audience. You know, what, what do they want? What does the community want? What can I offer more of? And I'll work on it. But I'm willing to try it. Hmm. And I can only say it's been positive so far. So anybody listening who's my age, who's terrified, just go for it. Nothing or any lose. age. And the, the, you know what you said? Try it. The willingness any to try. Age. The willingness to try and getting over, as we've discussed a lot today, the ego of what if, what if, just the willingness to try. Reward yourself for that. Like you said, you got that video up. You were, you know, voice shaking, sweating. <laughs> you got it up. And actually you, you did that. And that in itself, willingness to try. I think that's yeah. where if we could get over all of these, you know, these barriers of things that really, they don't, mm. they, they hold us back from achieving so much. It's I so know. much. And, you know, I could talk to you, Joe. this is fascinating. And I could talk to you for hours, but I am going to talk to you now about the Power Hour. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. From our previous conversations, I know that you you've embraced early mornings and when you were working and you know being a working mother and for anyone who has never seen you you look immaculate joe literally looks like one of the supermodels that she was describing you look immaculate so oh, i'm bringing it to, on oh, tell me more no no honestly. well seriously whatever you've been doing for your morning routine is clearly been working and i want to take notes so tell us yeah about mornings what time would you get up typically mm. what's the first hour of your day like you know what? It is so important to me, the first hour of my day. In fact, I probably have a bit longer because I'm a bit of a slow starter. So when I was uh, in my last job, I had to be at my desk around 8.20 and my son would be dropped off at school around 8. So we needed to leave around 7.15 to kind of get the, the wheels in motion. So I would get up about 5.15. Now, let's be honest, in the winter, it is harder. It's harder. And I'm not great at darkness and coldness and, and, and the rain outside. But, you know, as soon as we hit spring, so sort of March onwards, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm e it's easier for me. So at 5.15, I'd, I start my day with a coffee. That's the only caffeine drink I haven't managed to get rid of. And I, I don't think I will because I love it so much. So why should I give it up? I love it. So I start that and I just sit and I go back into my bed and I sit up. I drink my coffee. I listen to Radio 4. And, and I know that sounds like an old lady thing to do. But interestingly, 
if you're up early enough, around about 5.20, it's the shipping forecast, which is like meditation, I can tell you, because it's basically a very consistent voice telling you what the wind, the wind and the weather is doing in every single part of the country. So it's really nice. Then there's a bit of news and then it starts with farming today, which is also, you basically can hear the noises of kind of birds and pigs and sheep. And I found it restorative. Anyway, so 20 minutes of just being. So that can just be sitting there with my eyes closed, not really listening to the radio. It's almost like a kind of dull noise in the background um, and just thinking kind of, you know, coming, being, being awake. If, if it's summer, I can see the sun coming up and that's just incredible. I love it. Um, and, uh, and just being calm. So calming my body and knowing that this moment, I haven't got a child asking me to, you know, we'll get whatever breakfast. So that's that. And then I'll go into a bit of exercise. Now, it, it, when I had small children, I didn't really want to leave the house in the morning because I'd be worried if they would, you know, if they'd wake up or anything. So I do, I'd use uh, social media. So I do uh, Pilates mainly or a bit of yoga, some stretching, nothing too hectic. Now that I'm in lockdown, I'm able to go for my runs because I'm also using another bit of tech i'm doing the 5k to 10k challenge um because i'm good at running but i probably don't push myself that bit further so i'm using that oh my god it changes everything it changes everything so i really mm. enjoy it so i've sort of i break up my power a little bit uh as we're in this kind of awkward and weird situation but but then i would do so 20 minutes of being um and then a little bit of listening to the news then i would do my exercise then i'd probably look at my phone quickly just in case i've got to just to kind of understand what my meeting structure was and then it's sort of shower but I wanted to give myself enough time to have my I had half an hour for my shower so I could dry my hair and look glamorous <laughs> um, and put makeup on and then I'm completely done bed is made never to kind of go back I don't like not having a made bed and everything organized and then I'd wake up my children breakfast da, 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 and then we go into the kind of chaos as you know <laughs> so that first hour hour and 15 to me was the most important and it still is the most important time. Now we're in lockdown and it's winter and I've started a few different practices. So I'm definitely doing some more checking with my body. Um, I'm trying trying to get better at meditation and I'm, I'm I'm doing it in stages. I'm just starting with a bit of breathing and actually not even calling it meditation because I think that puts pressure on you sometimes to get it right. And I'm a bit of a perfectionist, which is also something I'm trying to deal with. Um, and I'm also writing, well, you call it journaling or, or writing a diary. That's I've been doing that and I'm loving that. Mm. Isn't so, it a game um, changer? I, oh, I, I, every time I mention journaling on this podcast, I, I feel like I should caveat with the fact that I was the most skeptical person you will meet when it comes to like, you know, I, I really cringed at this idea of like, dear diary. I was just like, <laughs> no way. But actually once I got over myself and decided to do, okay, fine, enough people have told me, try this journaling thing yeah. and took away the expectation of having to do five pages I just was like oh I'll just write a to-do list or I'll just write mm. a list of thoughts or it's turned into mm. the most therapeutic and transforming mm. thing it, I feel like with the world now and the busyness in my mind sometimes mm. the writing and just it feels like purging all my thoughts yeah. onto paper and honestly I've been doing it probably for about actually probably a lot longer than I think now I'm reflecting it's probably like 18 months mm. but I just can't recommend it enough and actually yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you but when you said that you're you know you have this slow start and you give yourself maybe a bit longer an hour 15 mm. an hour and a half what I love about that which I think really important for people to understand is 
what you're doing then and giving yourself that time where there's no rush there's no sense mm-hmm. of urgency you know you said 30 minutes for your shower and hair and you know mm-hmm. I think there's nothing work but th- that's fine because you know that that's what you want and that's what you like so yeah I think there's nothing worse than having this rushed start of your day which we've all had it let's be real I think mm-hmm. I certainly have where you feel like you've got you know no time you've got to do all these things and it's like quick in there and you know for, with kids it's like where's your shoes where's the thing you know rush 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 and it's such a frantic chaotic start to your day where do you go from there I think actually yeah. you know the the idea of having the stillness and then having movement and then having shower and not because sometimes people will say well Adrian, if you want me to do this in the morning and do a workout and do a bit of this and that it's mm-hmm. like they feel like they're gonna have to cram loads in and that actually it's this mm-hmm. you're starting your day with busyness but what mm-hmm. you've just described is almost the opposite of that you're not starting your day with busyness you're starting your day calmly before the day gets busy yeah you're completely right I mean I started it because I found if I'm being honest I found having small children really challenging as well as a big career so it was that everybody wants something from you all the time and of course the children you're willing to give it I'd never not do whatever they wanted that's my job and, and and I'm happy to do it it was just that I wanted to allow myself just a moment when nobody was asking me a question and I could just sit with my thoughts, quietly sipping my coffee, and the you know <laughs> the the shipping forecast is, is rolling <laughs> on in the background, so I know what's happening in the seas of Northern Ireland. Um, <laughs> but it was just that moment of peace that we don't ever give ourselves. And the one, if there's one thing I've learned in this last year, is that sitting and having a moment a mindful moment whatever you want to call it of just listening to the environment and being with yourself is the most restorative thing you can do it during the day you can turn everything off you just sit quietly you know at your desk on the edge of your bed on the floor lie on your back whatever it is and just let it roll over you and I think that we've lost a lot of that in society today. And, you know, yes, we call it, med- you know, you do some meditation, but then that's almost like a task that you've got to do that you might fail at. Just sit still, don't plug into anything and just let it all roll over you. And it's that moment, you know, when you do yoga and there's that kind of the Shavasana bit at the end where you lie on your back and your arms are up and, and it just feels like total heaven. You're totally relaxed. I think if we can get more of that in our lives, I think it would really help with, you know, my sort of purpose now with the, with what I'm doing on social is, is all about trying to help with anxiety because we're all going through it. And, um, and it's There's going to be a massive wave of, of mental health issues if we don't just take a little step back and calm down. So yeah, that, that's, that's my, uh, my moment of my morning, which mm, I love. So when I read your book, actually, it was so brilliant because you were describing some of these things. I was like, Oh yes, I know. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> you're like I know this you could have written it yourself I know people will read it and they'll think oh for god's sake and now I'm gonna have to do this I'm gonna have to get up I mean you know at the the end of the day how hard is it to go to bed half an hour earlier because that's all you need to do Hmm. you have to go to bed half an hour earlier you have to be you know trying to have a nice evening routine we've talked about is so important you know how you get to sleep is really important and it, Hmm. it doesn't really impact but the energy I mean I used to come into the office 8 20 or whatever it was and the girls would be like, oh, my God, you're so awake. How are you so awake? <laughs> you're like, it's like, midday. I've been, I've been up for three hours. hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't tired. I was just energized. Mm. And I think a lot of people want to feel good. I think ultimately, whether we're looking on, you know, whether it's diet, whether it's sleep, whether it's movement, people want to feel good. If you don't feel mm. good, you can't give your yeah. you know, best energy to your work or your kids or whatever. Mm. And so I think you're right about 
When you said though, how hard is it to go to bed early? I find that a more of a challenge, if I'm honest, because there's so many temptations in the evening mm. to just stay up. But that, I think once I was like, Adrienne, what is important to you? Because is watching a TV program late or scrolling through social media late, mm. is that going to help you? Is that a useful thing that is going to take you closer to something in your life that you want that's valuable? No. Mm. So that's when I had to really be like, almost like, like the child in me, I had to just say, get to bed. You know, there's no, you're not missing out on anything. Put no. your phone away, get to bed. And then as you say, the mornings, you know, I couldn't do what I do now without the morning, without the power hour, without a time window before everybody else and before everything else in the world needs your attention. And honestly, Joe, you and I, power hour all day long. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you a few now I'm doing a few more quick questions at the end before my final question. And as I said, I've loved, loved talking to you. And I'm sure that so many people listening to this are going to enjoy this conversation and maybe they'll share it and think of someone who they think they need to hear this, this conversation because they're going through something similar. So please do let us know. Please do share this episode. And Joe, where can, before I go into my, my final questions, where can people find you and connect with you online? So I've only managed to crack one channel so far. So I'm on Instagram, Jojo Glynsmith. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll do my best to keep uploading content. Um, but, you know, as time goes on, who knows? I could try to try to crack a few more channels. And I saw <laughs> you in Grazia magazine now. last week. Yeah, so, so I wrote so... a feature. Yeah, the, I, knew, I know the editor. She's great. And uh, and she was really kind enough to to commission me to write a piece about, about job loss and about mm. leaning into that. So yeah yes. well, it was brilliant so and i'll put a link in in the show notes to your social so let's go into the questions which the first one i'm going to ask you is one piece of advice that you wish you'd learnt earlier so know more about your consumer i mean i know i'm a marketeer right so that's <laughs> that would be something that would be obvious but whether it's you know i've worked in a shop i've worked in you know publishing i've worked doing this and even doing the social if you can understand the audience that you're talking to it gets you closer to them. And it means that you'll connect on a level that is far deeper than, than anything else. So rather than thinking about what's important to you, what's important to the person you're communicating with. And I wish I'd learned that, you know, when I was 25, because so much of it was about me at that stage, because mm. <laughs> you're working out your life. But, you know, whatever you're doing, whether you're selling in a shop, or whether you're working as a waitress, or whether you're an actress, you know, the, the people that you are serving I guess you could call it, are the most important people. Mm, brilliant. Okay, I'm noting that. Next one is, <laughs> one book that you recommend to everyone to read? That's so weird you say that because um, I was going to do some recommendations this week. Creative Visualization is, um, well, it's it's the kind of the mother of all kind of uh, visualization that has happened since. It was published in 1978. And it's been published, I think it's been printed six million times. Wow. Um, so it's really forward thinking at the time. And it is about imagining what you want in life and then working out how, not kind of, it doesn't tell you how to get there, but it's almost like if you can imagine it and if you can see yourself doing it, you're halfway there to getting what you want. And mm. so I would recommend uh, that book. Great. Next question is, the best thing you have bought for 100 pounds or less? Oh, that's a difficult one. So I'm going to say it's my diary and it's not even a diary. It's a notebook. <laughs> so I wrote in my notebook at the beginning of this year, I wrote, it wasn't a fancy one that's got printed pages or dates or anything on it. It's just a notebook. I wrote 2021, my year of transformation. 
And that was the first page, which I wrote in probably quite bad handwriting. And honestly, every day I dive into it, I've learned something new and it goes in there. Whether I've listened to a podcast or I've been inspired by something that's happened or I read The Power Hour or whatever it is, it goes into that book and, and it's thoughts, it's quotes, it's something trivial that happened. Or And, and quite often I'm thanking, I'm sort of being grateful. So it's like, I'm really grateful for today. So yesterday I wrote, I'm doing a podcast tomorrow. And I'm so excited about it. I've never done, and nobody's ever interviewed me before. And uh, and this is really thrilling. And I was kind of all kind of writing in so excited handwriting that you can hardly read. And I, and I tell you, I'll look, I did one last year and it was, wasn't really a diary every day. It was really more of thoughts every day. And I did it at any time of the day. But I look back on it all the time and it just is brilliant. Oh, I forgot about that brilliant quote. I heard it on a, you know, whatever I've been listening to. And it really inspired me. That's brilliant. So that was the best thing I bought, I think recently mm. for a hundred quid or less brilliant <laughs> and my last question which i ask to almost every guest on the show now which is if you could have one extra hour every single day what would you use your extra hour to do do you know it's interesting because i knew you're going to ask me so i've been thinking about it immediately i thought i'll do more exercise and i thought no because i've managed to now change my lifestyle enough that i'm getting exercise in that makes me happy and i'm, I'm, I'm good with that so i'm gonna say do more reading and the reason I'm saying that is that I only came to enjoying reading in the past probably four years. And I'm ashamed to say that because, I, you know, I was a journalist. Um, but I always found reading a bit like homework and I didn't really take to it at school. I always struggled actually with, with reading. Um, and so I didn't have it as a recreational hobby. But in the past few years, I've really started to enjoy it. And I think it's because it's not a screen. And it's not something that challenges me too much. I can just let my eyes flow across the words and I'm listening, I'm reading a story or I'm learning something. And if I could have an hour so I could catch up on all the missed out reading that I could have been doing for the past 30 years, <laughs> then that would be a real gift. Hmm. I'm similar to you, Joe. I read so much now and I look back at myself 10 years ago and I wouldn't recognize this person in terms of what I read, how much I read, the fact that there's a stack of books next to my bed, because actually I didn't used to enjoy reading at all. And I still don't really read fiction. I read nonfiction and I feel as, mm. as you say, like learning and things I can apply. I'm all about application. Mm. I'm like, can I read something from this and apply it to my life? And mm. I, I spoke on an Instagram live this, this weekend about often at the start of the year, so many people will say, right, I'm going to read more. And all they do is buy more books. They order <laughs> more books on Amazon and actually they don't read them. So that's no. one thing that I, I say in the intro of my book is I don't want it to sit and gather dust and look nice on your next to your cactus plant. I want you to read it. So that's the challenge I think for, for all the books that I've ordered, all the books that I've got on next to my bed right now. It's like, I have to read all of them. And yeah. to be honest, do you ever, do you ever start a book and then halfway through, if it's really hard work, you kind of think I could either persevere to the end or just give up and it's not for me. What do you do if, if you're not enjoying it? I give up because, give up. you know, I want to read for enjoyment. I, either I want to learn something or I want to be transported. Hmm. So if I'm really struggling, because there's your inner critic saying you're clearly not intellectual enough to understand it. Everybody <laughs> said it was amazing. Yes. Isn't it always those ones that people hype up and you're reading it thinking this is, I'm in a situation like that with a book at the moment. It's so repetitive. I feel like I've got the message and it's just going on and on. And like you said, other people have said, oh, this book changed my life. And so I'm like, well, I better finish it then. But it's like everything, everything's subjective. So, you know, if something is poignant for you, it may not be poignant for somebody else. So I think it's okay. And I think I'm old enough now to say, you know what? It's not working for me. I do the same with, you know, Netflix. 
I, you know, people go, oh, you've got to watch this series. It's so incredible. And, you know, the first one, if I'm not engaged with it, I'm not going to persevere because I have to be, sit, you know, I have to be able to sit there and go, yeah, I watched that. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I don't care anymore. Yeah. I just go, oh, I'll do something else. <laughs> Yeah, brilliant. Well, Joe, I've absolutely loved talking to you. Thank you so much. Neither of us were interrupted by children that we're homeschooling, so that's a win. <laughs> and as I said, I know that people are going to enjoy hearing this conversation. You're so wonderful, and I look forward to seeing what you're going to do this year and beyond. Oh, thank you so much, Adrian. That was just I, that was such an enlightening experience. Thank you so much. You've made my day. Amazing. And thank you everyone for listening to the show. As always, rate, review, get in touch. We love it. And stay safe. Have a great week. See ya. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.